Welcome, everybody. On this episode of Shadows Podcast, Batista and I had a chance to chat with Shay Sparks. Shay is the CEO, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, certified fearless living coach, speaker, author, and has a podcast called The Power of Investing in People. During this episode, Shay talked to us about her childhood. She was an open book as she talks about bullying, suicide, depression, obstacles she had to overcome in her life. She also explained how she got involved with the military veterans to include Veterans for Life USA, Bunker Labs, and After Action Network. Shay also discusses her podcast, The Power of Investing in People, and her newest book that she co-authors titled Hashtag Firestarters Book Project. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Odenheimer, joined alongside my co-host, Jonathan Batista, and we're super excited today to bring to you Shay Sparks. She is the CEO, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Hope. She is a certified fearless living coach. She has a podcast as well. If you have not checked it out, it's a great podcast, Power of Investing in People. And then she's also a speaker and author. She has around 4,000 titles, I believe, uh, in, day in and day out. Ma'am, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. And I do just have to correct one thing, if that's okay. Absolutely. My business is had to change names uh, this summer. So it is now called Sparks of Fire International. Thank Perfect. you. Before we get started, we're going to uh, have a couple of rapid fire questions. Batista, I'm going to let you go first. All right. First off, it's nice to meet you, Shay Sparks. So your first question is going to be, if you could have an extra hour of free time every day, how would you use it? Ooh, well, you know, of course I first want to say work, but um, I think it would be, I don't know, maybe journaling more or sleeping or, you know, just taking more time for self-care. What's your favorite Christmas memory? Ooh, uh, favorite Christmas memory. Um, just actually last night I was thinking about how as little kids we think, oh, uh, we should probably have some sort of present to give our parents. And I remember going to my dad's machine shit and gra- grabbing his hammer and wrapping it up to look like the hammer. Cause that's what you did as a little kid, right? Right. Like, right. And he used duct tape, uh, for his packages a lot of times. So I used wrapping paper and duct tape and I wrapped up his hammer to give him for Christmas. And I was so excited to give it to him. Like, you have no idea what this is. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was my, uh, my best Christmas memory. Very nice. Okay. What is your spirit animal and why? <laughs> um, it is a wolf. And um, why is because uh, I'm always been just a natural leader. Not that I've chosen that. In fact, I shied away from it for most of my life. And yet people kept putting me there. And um, I had actually the reason why is because several people had told me that you are, um, even though my, what is it, the astrological sign, I'm a Leo. So I'm a lion, but they said, you're not a lion because you're not standing alone. You're a wolf because you run in a pack with other leaders. So I would say wolf. That's a fun question, by the way. Yeah, it really is. Finally, last rapid fire question. Guilty pleasure. Key lime pretzels. Interesting. Key lime pretzels. Key key lime. I think they're yogurt, key lime yogurt covered pretzels. I just bought some. So that's what it is. Yeah. Wow. I never would have thought of key lime pretzels. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. All right. I I can't have chocolate. So key lime is my go-to for whatever reason. It's not a bad go-to. Yeah. Ma'am, before we really uh, get rolling with with what you're currently doing. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Oh gosh, my upbringing. So I grew up on a farm and in the middle of Iowa and my dad, um, he was a farmer and also a fertilizer salesman. So he was pretty much gone all through the week. Maybe he'd be home on the weekends, but most of the time he was just kind of a non, uh, not really around. He was a, what do they call it? A a non-existent father. And uh, I have two older brothers or had two older brothers and I'm the youngest. And it wasn't a, a positive environment. It wasn't nurturing. It was actually for lack of a better word, it was abusive. And I think that's kind of the catalyst for 
what happened later on in my life and then to where I am now, because I've really had to heal from everything I've gone through. Um, but for the most part, it was a small town, you know, local gossip. Uh, you know, uh, I think I graduated with 27 people and I, people knew my business before it even happened. So <laughs> story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is like your biggest takeaway from your childhood that has helped you become who you are today? Hmm. Biggest takeaway. Gosh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I really liked the small town feel as far as a community. So I can go anywhere and talk to a stranger because I feel like it, wherever you are is just a, is a community. Right. Right. And, uh, and I feel like because I grew up that way, and you know everybody that making new friends or or you know going to a networking event or even going to any kind of event, it's just that's a community. So just treat it like such, and go in and go. Okay, so who am I going to meet today, and and who am I going to talk to? Where you might not know their name, but they're a human being. And I think growing up in a small town, you had that opportunity to really see people as just a, an extension of your family. And so if you think about it like that, that's kind of wherever you are, right? Your neighborhood, maybe it's your school, maybe it's your business or it's your job, or maybe it's your unit. It's just an extension of your family. Yeah. I've noticed something based off your story and uh, Scott Mason, I was talking to him uh-huh. as well. Tons of energy, by the way, tons of yes. positive energy from Love. him. Awesome person. Um, and then Batista and I talked to Jeremy Kubitschek and it seems like people that were raised in like a farm setting have gone off to do like phenomenal things. Mm. Uh, I'm finding that as like the common trend in, in all of these people that we're, we're interacting with. And I noticed you said something about um, uh, bullying too, in, in one of the, the podcasts you were on, you said that you were a bully and you've also been a victim of bullying as well. Explain like your hurt people, hurt people, Yeah. So I, so first of all, I was in an abusive relationship as well. And uh, when I got out of that, uh, I started counseling immediately and really started to peel away the layers of the onion that we are. And I feel like we are designed as a, as the core of the onion. And then all of the, um, the crap that we go through, all of the hard times that get piled on us, kind of get that, that those layers onto the onion and then the really trauma, traumatic times is that crusty part when you go to the to the grocery store and pick up the onion and it's all that crusty part yeah. on the outside. That's the trauma that we go through. And so when I started to peel away that, I realized, you know, I was in an abusive relationship because it was familiar to how I grew up. Now, mind you, he was like to the millionth degree of what each of my family members was, even my parents, both my brothers and my grandmother, like those were my key influences in my life. So he had very familiar um, behaviors. So I just looked at as that as normal. And once I started to go through and peel away those layers and heal, I realized how I was showing up in my relationship with him. Um, because, you know, I fought back. I wasn't a, I didn't look at myself as a quote unquote battered woman. Um, I never called the police cause I thought he had bruises too. He'd probably, I'd probably go to jail. So I realized, man, he was bullying me and I was bullying him back. And then I realized it just in having that thought process that as a kid growing up, I would get on the bus to go to school because, you know, you lived in the country, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I would bully the little kids on the school and the school bus and didn't even now, like, I don't even know why I did that other than I had been hurt. And I thought, okay, there's that quote out there that hurt people hurt people. And so I got to thinking like once I started to really heal and in myself, I started to share my story with other people Um, and they would come back and they would tell me like they took whatever I said and they went out and it changed their life or their relationship with their, their family or their coworker or their boss or, you know, parent, whoever. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, well, or started to thinking, well, so if hurt people hurt people, do empowered people empower people. 
And it was just such an interesting dynamic that I went, well, I wonder if anybody talks about that. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I started my podcast was because I didn't find that it was really talked about, but I know that we've all gone through obstacles. We are, we've mm-hmm. all overcome something. And it's a lot of times really hard stuff that we don't want to talk about. And yet whatever we learn from that propels us to start a business or propels us to the next level or propels us to get that promotion because we learned some sort of skill that we didn't even know we learned. We didn't even know we had in us, but it actually propelled us to move forward. It's so simple, but so powerful. And you can also apply it to even thinking about like leaders that you've had in your career. You have that really bad leader, that toxic leader. And you're like, you can just look at that person and tell they've had a bad experience. They've had a bad career. They're doing this because they've been hurt and burned and stepped over by people. And then you get that leader that's empowering and it is wonders what they uh, can do for somebody. So I just, I love that uh, empowered people empower people. I just, I love that. Thank you. Speaking of which you were kind of talking about, you know, like vulnerability that I kind of think that goes into bullying is a lot of times bullies aren't willing to face you know, and, and say like, I'm struggling with this. I'm not good at this. What do you think is the importance uh, in being a leader of, of admitting of your mistakes and being vulnerable? What's the importance? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I think it gives you credibility. When you are a leader and you're unsure, it shows. And then people trust you less. And there's something about being able to go in front and be like, hey, look, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I'm going to make the best decision, not only for me, but for the the rest of us. That puts the leader in a different perspective that Mm -hmm. shows, hey, they care about me rather than I made this decision. Things fall apart and then they're going, I don't know what happened when they do know what happened. They're still not willing to take accountability for it. Yeah. You lose respect too with yeah. that. And I've, yeah. I, I've really learned to embrace my faults, my mistakes, things that I've done wrong. And I remember it was one of the, the first uh, classes that I was teaching. I told my class something, it was inaccurate information. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I go back up there and tell them I messed up on this, I'm going to lose every bit of credibility. I'm going to, they're not going to respect me. They're not going to listen to me anymore. Uh, And I went back up there and I could have blamed it on my trainer. I could have blamed it on the curriculum writers, but I just said, Hey, I need to just be honest with y'all. I I gave you the wrong information and I apologize, but here's the right thing. When I got feedback at the end of the course, they were like credibility boosted right then there influence boosted because we knew we could trust you and we knew that you were not going to, to mislead us um, and be honest with us. I don't like to, to use the term barriers, say it more like hurdles. We, we jump over them. We can look back and learn from them. But like, what were some of those hurdles in your life that, that you had to overcome to get you to this point today? Yeah. So I was probably elementary school age and really realized that I was actually at that point, I think I had started to, to think about suicide. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why, other than the fact that my dad had went from being there all the time to being non-existent, like I talked about earlier. And then my, my parents just didn't get along. Number one, my brothers didn't get along. And so, and I was the peacemaker between all of them. And I just really felt unloved growing up. Um, They didn't have any idea. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know that that was affecting me, but I had started to think about suicide. And so when I was in seventh grade, I was a cheerleader and started uh, doing some cheerleading um, jumps on a little uh, trampoline. And I landed and my knee locked up and I broke my knee. And from that caused an extreme amount of pain, number one, but also severe depression. And at the time there was only, I'm assuming, because again, I'm a kid, right? I don't know, but I'm assuming there was only one type of pain medication and the pain medication made me just extremely ill. So my mom said, well, just stop taking it. So 
I stopped taking the pain medication and then I literally would just spend uh, days in days out vomiting because of the pain in my knee was so excruciating bad. And I had a, a brace from my hip to my ankle and I had to walk on crutches. And um, again, crutches back then were not useful <laughs> for your body, right? They're arrogant and obviously click correct. So I had, you know, worn sores underneath my armpits. Anyway, long story short, I didn't go to school. And it was winter in the middle of Iowa. It's very isolating. Uh, you know, yeah. we we're on a farm. It's, it's depressing. And um, not only did I get into a deep depression, I started drinking just a few years after that. And how old were you? At that time, I was probably 13 or 14. Yeah. And I was drinking every day at 15. Hmm. And um, by the time I was 16, I got a DUI. And that actually was um, one of the first times I, I feel like my life, um, that God saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. My sister, you know, I, I talked in episode three of our podcast about my sister. She was 14 and she had issues with, with drugs and alcohol um, as well. Suicide is a thing. It's a huge concern. What advice would you have for any parent or anyone listening to this who is having, you know, they're going through the, especially with everything going on in the world now where people yes. are being cooped up uh, you know, we're creatures of habit and so much of our life has changed. Someone listening or knows somebody who's going through something, what advice would you, would you have for them? Mm. So do you want me to give you advice for someone who's depressed and suicidal or for the parent to talk to their child? Let's go both. Okay. <laughs> um, so first of all, I would say, especially now, because I believe it's actually um, the number, the high, the rates are going higher in this yeah. moment because kids aren't being um, around their friends and, you know, they're getting isolated and things like that. Mm -hmm. So as a parent, if they're listening, I would definitely recommend that you get in, involved in your child's life. Ask questions and be interested and literally, literally listen to what they have to say. Um, I think that's the biggest thing my parents didn't do is that they didn't even, they didn't acknowledge what I was going through or the pain that I was going through, nor did they like even try to nurture it. They just tried to um, ignore me and ignore the, the, the amount of pain that I was in physically. And then it became emotionally as well. So I think a lot of times we don't realize because it's unseen that someone is going through pain physically. So that's one thing I would definitely ask, uh, have their parent, have the parent ask the child is, um, you know, is there something that's hurting physically? Because a lot of physical pain is going to cause emotional pain and mental pain. Number one, number two. So I actually work with uh, veterans for life USA and it is for suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and PTSD recovery. And um, also work for After Action, work with After Action Network. And it's the same thing. It just kind of puts resources in veterans' hands, whatever is needed. So for me, it's really about getting them to the right um, mindset. When you're in a uh, ideation, depression, um, suicide uh, is what I'll, I'll call it you're thinking about ending your life for something that's temporary. We're, we're trying to find the permanent decision for a temporary situation. And there's questions that needs to be asked. And those questions can range anywhere from, you know, what would, what is one thing that could stop you from doing this? And if someone had asked me at that age, what would have stopped me from doing it was love and care from my parents. A kid might not be able to tell you, but an adult will, yeah. right? An adult might, we'll put it that way, might tell you. Um, for an example, if someone is going through something and they have flashbacks from PTSD and any kind of trauma, that's not just anything in the military, it's anyone who's experienced trauma has PTSD. Yeah. So if they're experiencing some sort of uh, flashbacks and they're trying to get that to stop, and that is the reason that they're saying, you know, I just want to end it all. 
that flashback is going to last anywhere between um, 30 to 90 seconds. Again, it's a temporary situation that they're trying to make a permanent decision for. So the question is, is to really direct them in a way that gets them to the right um, therapy that they are looking for, or to get them to the right tool or the right skill mm -hmm. to help them see what moves on. The reason those flashbacks happen is not because of the trauma. The trauma happened. And then what happens after the trauma is fear. And that's how your brain is interpreting the trauma that happened is how fear shows up. So they might have been triggered and don't even realize they're triggered because these are tools and these, I mean, these are, these are uh, conversations that most people don't have, but let's pretend that, um, and I'm going to make something up that they saw their friend, um, you know, maybe die in front of them. Right. Yeah. And now they are, um, maybe they know someone who is, has COVID right now too, you know, like, so th they're comparing the two, even though uh, someone on the outside might be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. They're completely different. But yeah. to that person, it's triggering that trauma again, because they're afraid they're going to lose someone. So for them to just be able to see that it's fear not the thing. It's no longer the trauma that's happening to them. Mm -hmm. They're removed from it. That's in the past. It's the fear showing up on how their brain is interpreting that trauma. And it's really important to know that so that you can get them to the right resource or to just have the right conversation and say, you're safe now. What's going to take you to, you know, to stop? And they might say, I just need to stop having these flashbacks. Okay, great. There are resources out there that will help you. There's neurofeedback. Um, there's uh, even bio uh, biofeedback as well that is uh, with, connected to your heart rather than your brain. There's so many different things that you can do now to ease those types of things and being able to recognize it's not happening now. Yeah that you're safe now. That's the most crucial thing is to say you're safe now. And I think you brought up a key term in there too, fear. And a lot of times we're afraid of the unknown, everything going on with COVID, our society in general. Um, yeah. And they think because they, they have those thoughts, something's wrong, but fear is actually normal. Fear is healthy. Fear is, it's a normal part of brain function. It's, you have to have that. And I think that, um, I think another thing that goes undervalued is just talking to somebody, just having somebody to reach out and talk to. And that's one thing that's always kind of scared me with 2020 is that everything's so digital and texting and just the importance of being able to sit down and have like a conversation and look somebody in the eyes is really important. And um, what you were talking about with the, uh, with parents learn to be, interested versus being interesting sit down and not just say how was your day good okay bye um right, right. sit down and actually have a conversation so phenomenal stuff ma'am i appreciate that and can i just say one thing about fear because you brought you mentioned it again you're absolutely right fear is a part is a healthy part of our brain our fear uh, is kind of a um a gauge right so as a as a parent or maybe as a child you've experienced this when you you're driving in the car and you're on the passenger side and they slam on their brakes the parent reaches their arm over and stops them right yeah. so that's a physical fear right so they're afraid that that person is going to go through the windshield the same goes when it's an emotional fear like even sharing their story even yeah. saying i love you first or even asking their child, how are you feeling? That's a, an emotional fear. So fear is showing up, still putting that arm out to save you from not going through the windshield in any situation, whether it's physical fear or emotional fear. And all the, the key is, is just to realize that that's fear. It's not something to stop you. It can stop you, but it's something to just recognize and be able to move forward with it. Awesome stuff. I appreciate that. So tell us, you, you mentioned, um, you know, working with veterans, uh, explain to us a little bit about what you do with the transition phase and, and PTSD and all this stuff you've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got involved in, um, 
the veteran community about a year and um, before that it was on my radar and but yet I didn't know it was on my radar if that makes sense right. it just kind of fell into my lap and so I interviewed somebody for my podcast who had started this nonprofit, um, Veterans for Life USA. And he was a firefighter as well as a veteran and um, recovering from PTSD, um, alcohol addiction and suicide um, ideation. And I just went, huh. So what you're saying is PTSD is not just for military. And that's when I really started to have the question with people I knew um, have you experienced some sort of trauma and how does that affected your life? And almost 98% of people have said, yes, it's affected my life. So then I'm like, okay, so why is it that a society, we look at PTSD as military only, and it's not the case. It's literally across the board. And so I, as a, as a fearless living coach, I really started to see how fear is that, that, that the fear is what shows up after the trauma because the trauma happened and it's back there, it's back in your past, but it's the fear that shows up is how your brain interprets it. And years ago I had, um, when I got out of that abusive relationship, I had studied the brain and mindfulness in psychology professor, one of the local colleges here. I'm also a hairstylist and she was my hair client. And um, we would talk about it all the time. And then she's created this program called Mindfulness and her and I worked uh, one-on-one together for, for probably close to two years and really got to know, <clears throat> excuse me, really got to know how the brain functions. And we only know, literally, we don't even know the capability that the brain has. That's the, that's the crazy thing about technology and, and, and our brain is so powerful that we don't even know all about it yet. Um, and so learning that there is this thing called the trauma and there's a thing called stress and, and it happens and it fires in two different places in your brain that sometimes when you've experienced trauma and your brain doesn't have time to recover and there is and this is the crazy part that there's no prescription for it to recover. There's no way of knowing. There's no way of understanding how it affects you versus it, you know, affects, it affects Jonathan. It's totally different, right? And every single time you have to have your brain recover at some somehow. And if it doesn't, and another trauma happens, like uh, you know, someone that's you know. Um, you know, at war, right? If they're at war and they're, they see somebody get shot and then they see somebody get shot and they see somebody get shot or being in an abusive relationship, you get, you know, hit, you get hit, you get hit. That's trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty soon stresses are no longer firing in the same place as stress. It is now crossing over and firing in trauma. So something simple as maybe um, having a flat tire that's a stress, maybe being late for work as a stress, or you know, maybe getting in an argument with someone as a stress is now firing in your brain as trauma. Yeah. And then that's how the fear is so intense that you feel like it is happening right then, right yeah. there. Like you are literally an overload. Yep. So I so then, um, basically I, so I know all this information and so, or I have all this information in my back pocket, we'll say. And so last year I was at this podcast conference and somebody I had met had talked to me about uh, my coaching business. And I said, yeah, I transformed trauma into treasure. Mm. And he's like, wow, have you ever thought about working with veterans? And I was like, well, that's interesting you say that because I've noticed they show up in my life for the last several years, but I had not, um, no, I haven't even thought about it. And so he is uh, uh, someone I will definitely recommend to you. If Joe hasn't, hasn't, Joe Bogdan has not, I will recommend, I will introduce you to him. Um, so he was the city leader of Bunker Labs out in San Francisco. Bunker Labs, I don't know if you know what that is. It is a um, startup for incubator space for startup veteran owned businesses. So it takes you from invoice to our idea to invoice. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, I've always been a huge business person. And so I had actually did startup weekend years ago, five years ago, waiting for bunker labs to starting the Kansas city area, because I did know about it. And here he is a city leader in San Francisco. And he's like, actually they're relaunching in Kansas city in like a couple of months. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So he's like, I'll introduce you. I'm like, perfect. Well, in the meantime, I had already been working on uh, my coaching program called spark your alpha and alpha stands for um, awareness, a leadership purpose, hope and alignment. And it is really to help anyone that's in transition go from whether it's getting a divorce, they've lost their job, maybe they've got laid off, maybe they've just retired and now they're like, what's different? Um, but it's really to help find their purpose. But I didn't know that it, that's what it was for. <laughs> I really thought it was for women to help women find um, start a business. Um, but after I spoke with that gentleman who said I could work with veterans, uh, I find myself at a networking event a few weeks later with the Kansas City Business Journal and the VFW, and they were talking about hiring veterans into corporate America. And he, this one particular man on a panel um, suggested that they, the, what do I want to say? The presidents of the companies give veterans a purpose every time they hire one. And I thought, wait, so they're coming out of the military when they've been given a purpose and now they're going to a job where they're given a purpose again, but nobody's helping them find their own personal purpose. Huh, I wonder if there's anything like that in the transition programs that are out there. And so one conversation led to talking to the head of the VFW and he said, that's a really great question. And I don't know the answer to that. Led me to having a conversation with one of my hair clients who suggested I talk to her friend who's a, a congresswoman. And I actually live, um, I live part-time in Washington DC as well. And so I said, well, I'm actually gonna be in DC next week. How do I get a hold of her? And she's like, oh, just Google her and email her. And I said, okay. And so I did. <laughs> and next week I found myself in her office um, speaking to her defense fellow. Wow. And uh, yeah, I can't make that up. Like, <laughs> that, was like that fast, yeah. <laughs> that fast, right. Yeah. And I just went, okay, I guess I'm onto something here. And the question for me is why, so basically the defense fellow, um, great guy, you know, the, the, the answer is they do not have anything like that because they rely on nonprofits. Hmm. They, when they have someone coming out of the um, military, they have what's called TAPS. I'm sure you guys have heard of yep. that, right? And there's not a whole lot of businesses that are actually doing it. There are a few, but there's not a whole lot of businesses. And so I thought, well, here we go. I'm just going to step into this and trust that, you know, every door that continues to keep opening, it just seems to be like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, that's kind of how it landed in my lap. <laughs> wow. Cause I, I, one of my really, really good friends, he's going through that transition now where he's about to retire and he spent, you know, 20 plus years in the military. Right. What's like a big recommendation you would, or a big piece of advice you would give to someone who's about to make that, that career move? Well, start thinking about what you're going to do next at least a year or if not before uh, at least a year before you retire because once you get out everything is going to change and i mm -hmm. i was not in the military i don't i'm not married to anyone in the military but the the flag behind me represents my dad um he was drafted to korea and my and i didn't know the story until 6 months before he passed away Wow. And when he told me that story, he said something that just stuck with me, like permeated my soul. He said, I didn't have a choice. And I thought, huh, I've said that before. In fact, I've used that for years when I was in that abusive relationship that I didn't have a choice. So when you come out of the, so, so I'm thinking about that, right? Like I don't have a choice. When you come out of a transition period, you, some people think I don't have a choice. I now have to retire and go on to something else. But the truth is you do. 
So start thinking about what your choices are before you even get out, number one. Number two, take time. You don't have to jump from one thing into another because um, like I said, it's gonna be a huge, completely different lifestyle. You might've been called Sergeant Major or Colonel or Chief Master or something. And the next day you're gonna be called um, John. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, whatever your name is <laughs> trip, right. Yeah. You're not going to be called, you're not going to be saluted and you're just a human being now. And there's that huge mindset shift that is going to have to take place. So give yourself grace and time to allow that to, pro- for you to process because you're going to go through lots of people who are going through transition, go through lots of feelings. You know, it's like the, what is it? The five or six stages of grief. Same, same thing. Right. So you have to grieve what you went through and then you get to also, you know, be in um, excitement of what's next, but you have to go through the, the grieving part of it as well in order to get to the other side of being excited. And then you also have to have support. So you have in your unit, you have this community, just like we talked about in the beginning, right? You have a community and you get out, you don't have that community. You're not around that anymore. You might now live in the suburbs where you're used to living on base. It's completely different. So you have to create that. You have to find that, whatever that looks like. So um, like in, in the Kansas City area and most every city, there's some sort of veteran um, community you just have to find it to tap in. Bunker Labs, even if you're not going in the route of business owner, I highly recommend that you tap in just to meet people. They have um, networking events. Well, they had their virtual now, but in, you know, hopefully they'll go back to in-person. But there's so many different things that you could tap into. Even I think now as um, this generation, rather than my dad's generation, where it was just, you hang out at the VFW and you have a couple of beers and blah, blah, blah. And then they don't talk about anything, right? Like he never even shared anything about what he went through. Well, now they have support groups and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, their local VA can even help you with that. I've noticed, I used to do personal training way back in the day. And I remember one of my clients, he was a uh, retiree. And he said the biggest struggle for him is he went from running a squadron to now he's got a 25, 26 year old guy that's his boss. And he's like, I was so used to being, you know, Lieutenant Colonel, such and such. And and now I'm Paul and it's Paul. Why are you late? And I'm like, he has to, he's struggled with that so much. And I remember before I even joined hearing that story, Uh, if people want to find out more about veterans for life or or bunker labs, where would you uh, point them to? Google. Google. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like bunkerlabs. I believe it's dot org. Okay. And then Veterans for Life USA. Um, I think their website is under construction right now, so definitely look them up on Facebook. Okay. Um, and also I'm gonna point out uh, AfterActionNetwork.org, and that is also a huge um, benefit resource center as well. What would you say the main differences are between uh, the two or three organizations that you just mentioned? So after Action Network, if you, wherever you guys are, let's pretend that you're in uh, New Orleans, okay? So in your, you go on to afteractionnetwork.org, you type in your zip code and whatever resource that you're looking for or any veteran is looking for. So it might not be for you. It might be for someone else <clears throat> that pops up whatever resource they need. So wherever you are in the country, you type in your zip code and then this resource will pop up that you you're the you or the veteran are looking for. Um, so that's really, that's the one difference. And it could be anything from, you know, maybe they need uh, their water paid for, their water bill paid for, or maybe they need to know how to turn on their, you know, get their water turned on in their name or, you know, whatever it is, maybe they need um, a housing. Um, there's all, gosh, I can't even think Maybe they need to know what, how to get scholarships to go to school. Literally anything you could possibly imagine is on this website. 
Um, and then Veterans for Life USA is actually for those three things. So it's for PTSD re, um, recovery, suicide prevention, and addiction recovery. So if you've now gone into that phase where you are like, absolutely, I have to get help. I know I'm an alcoholic or I know I'm, I'm doing too much drugs and you're ready, then Veterans for Life, um, there's, a, there's advocates. And then we have partners throughout the country to get you to certain places for recovery, whether that's maybe you need a 90 day rehab or maybe you just need a quine therapy, you know, in your local um, area. We'll make sure we, we get those links and we'll have those uh, attached with this episode as well. That's really good information. I think for, for any, even my position, I've got, you know, about nine years left, but yeah, it's never too soon. You never, you never know what's going to happen. So it's never too soon to start thinking about it. So tell us also about alignment consulting on your, your page. Alignment consulting. So I do, uh, like I said before, spark your alpha and it's really to help you find your purpose, find what's your alignment, how your purpose is in alignment with you. That means your values, your um, interests, maybe it's where you're at. I mean, like I said before, I just happened to pay attention to the opportunities that were around me. And what was around me was veterans kept showing up. I didn't choose that. And most of the time, purpose. Uh, So alignment and, and purpose go hand in hand. And what's funny is when you're looking for your purpose, it typically isn't what you think it is. It's something different. Um, When I was, uh, had gotten out of my um, abusive relationship, I had, was working on me and just focusing on me and just trying to like figure out me. (laughs) And I had literally within a month, uh, a span of like three months, I had probably five or six women uh, show up in my life that were in abusive relationships that I helped them out of, out of the blue. And I realized that my purpose for being in that relationship was to help others, right? My dad had this, you know, chip on his shoulder of, I didn't have a choice. He was not a great father. He was not a great husband. And in the last five years of his life, he became my best friend. We, I forgave him and everything. And we had amazing conversations. He just never talked about the, the experience he had, right? However, because of what he went through, that became my purpose. And now it's my purpose to really help others get through it, especially for um, people, you know, for veterans or people who are in the military now and getting out. It, it, and it just showed up. <laughs> I didn't choose it. I didn't go actively look for it. I just started to notice the pattern. And I think that's when so many people are like, well, I'm in this career for, you know, 20, 30 years, but I'm retiring and I didn't like it. It's like, okay, great. So what are you going to do? What do you like? And they're like, I don't know, but they find one thing. And that one thing leads to another, to another, to another. And along that way, they're going to find their purpose. And that's what happened to me. I was literally doing so many different things and have done so many different things. And um, just taking one step out of my comfort zone at a time, getting to the next thing, doing the next thing, learning about myself, it showed you your your purpose shows up to you. (laughs) But the more aware you are about yourself and the more aware you are around your surroundings and your opportunities, your purpose shows up. And it's important because uh, let's just pretend that you went through something uh, during your military career that that's going to propel you, like we talked about before, that adversities, those obstacles that you've overcome, those challenges, that someone might pay for as a consultant or as a coach, or you might write a book about it, right? Because you went through it, someone else would pay for it to help them get through it. And the easiest way for somebody to, to get in contact with you about that, is that through shaysparks.com? Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S. And we'll, have, we'll have that link as well. Um, on here and, and how do they go about that? They just log on there. Is it, is it pretty easy to find? Yeah. So if they scroll like halfway down, I think there's a, a there's three little squares, three little videos, and it kind of goes through each one. One is 
spark your alpha. Another one is um, brainstorming for leadership. And the next one is uh, trainings and workshops. And there's um, a, an appointment link down below it. So if you click on the schedule consultation, I think it is, they can um, go right to my calendar link and schedule a meeting and we can have a conversation about it and see if we're a right fit for each other. Nice. I got to get on that calendar link. Um, it yes. seems like everybody I've been talking to lately has one of those. So I feel like I need to jump on that. You know, before we start putting a, a bow on this, talk to us about your podcast that you have. Yeah. So I have a, a podcast called The Power of Investing in People. And um, it is really leaders of small businesses or the military or veterans who have overcome some sort of obstacle. And they figured out that investing in themselves, that it overflows onto others, their family, their community, and um, their business. And so uh, that's what I have conversations about. In fact, Joe, Joe Bogdan was one of them not too long ago. Yeah, I listened to it. It was really good stuff. Go check out her podcast as well. We'll have the links for her podcast um, on here. We, we got just tons of links. <laughs> this is like the most linked episode that we've ever had. So awesome. Um, Go give her some support over there. And then what book recommendations would you recommend to somebody? Mm, that's a good one. And uh, I'm, um, I could plug my own, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> is there a specific topic that you were looking for? I kind of like the theme here today with like self-help. So we can, we can go with that. And we will have the link for yours as well. On the, okay. <laughs> we'll add it to it. Add it to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh. Uh, so. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I got to look over my shoulder to find out which book is in my reading right now. Um, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Seth Godin's Lynchpin. And okay. it's, it's, it's different than self-help. It's just kind of a way to see where you're an, uh, an outlier. that You don't necessarily have to think inside the box. Yeah. And that it's probably best that you don't think inside the box. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, I've heard of that one before linchpin. Um, I think I've seen some people on social media posting that one. Mm -hmm. um, and then final question for you, 50 years from now, when someone <laughs> mentions your name, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be known for? I love that you asked that. Cause I asked that question and I, I never know how to answer it myself. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, 50 years from now, you know, I'll just be, um, I'll just be 55. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, gosh, really, I just want people to say that because of, because of me, they, or because of something I said or did, or they, I inspired them or empowered them. Uh, in a positive way, and it impacted their their life, their community, their business. Well, Batista, I think you got something you want to uh, plug with MVP. Yeah, sure. Uh, sorry, I was more of a listener on this podcast. Uh, it was really good to hear your story and uh, what you do for the veterans out there. I'm also part of a, a program out there for veterans and players. So it's pro uh, players. They could be in NFL, NBA. Um, they could be fighters, ex-boxers, or whatever. They're called, I'll give you their business card. So you go on Google and then you type in merging vets and players. So that's their, but it's a great organization. What we do is we get together, we work out together. Uh, one of the coaches the, in the Vegas chapter, it's uh, majority of time is a UFC uh, coach or boxing coach or um, some kind of professional athlete coach out there. They lead these exercises majority of them are combat veterans or veterans have been in combat. So we're all just together uh, working out really hard. And then after our workout, we, we like to do a nice uh, huddle. And then we just talk about things that we're going through. It could be suicide, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, or things that we've uh, overcame obstacles. And it's, it's been amazing. So um, like I said, I've been a listener uh, for a majority of this podcast because it sounds like you're a great resource for them that I could pass them to. But I will tell you my appreciation for veterans and the short time that I've been with MVP has skyrocketed. I saw some guy today get out of his car and he had a hat. And I think 
Oh, and it said Vietnam on it. You know how a lot of veterans like to wear those baseball truck hats. And uh, I had to talk to him. Normally, I would just give him a head nod or say thank you for your service. But it's just different now. When you're part of the organization, when you're part of this group, that this purpose to help veterans. And uh, so I appreciate everything that you do. Tackle this purpose and uh, you tackle it head on. You don't take the lion approach. You take the wolf approach to it, right? And uh, you're definitely the leader amongst the pack. We'll definitely stay in contact. But also, I also wanted to add barbers. Like, so there's no resources out there. Barbers and hairdressers are like the best counselors out there as well, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, and actually, um, we're going to have to talk offline because I have some ideas for you. So I can't, can't wait. Yeah. Nice. And I can't relate to the barber thing. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> good stuff there, ma'am. If somebody, uh, would like to, to find out more one more time, where can they find you? Yeah, they can go to my website at shaysparks.com. Um, you can find me on all my social medias at shaysparks, my Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, send me a message, you know, say that you heard yeah. me on this podcast and, uh, I would love, love to get to know, you know, your listeners as well, as well. So yeah, whatever whatever, any resource. And if I don't know the answer, I'm more than happy to tell you, I don't know the answer, but I can probably connect you to somebody who does. There we go. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this with us today. Greatly appreciated. This was a little bit different direction than we've gone with most of our episodes, but I think it was much needed. I think that there's a lot of value to what you said. And I think there's a lot of stuff that uh, people are probably going through or know someone that's going through. So I think you you provided us some amazing resources as well. Like I said, this will be the most. Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, Batista, you got any final words? No, I don't actually. Um, that's going to do it for me. I just want to say thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, we'll stay in contact. So thank you again. Well, thank you. And it's been an honor and a pleasure to be here. All right. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to another episode of Shadows Podcast and a huge thanks to the amazing Shay Sparks. Go check her out at www.shaysparks.com. Support her podcast, The Power of Investing in People, and go check out the hashtag Firestarters Book Project at www.firestartersbookproject.com. You can find any and everything Shay Sparks at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash shay sparks make sure you tune in next week as i had an opportunity to sit down and chat with a non-commissioned officer in the united states air force and current instructor at gunter non-commissioned officer academy technical sergeant caleb pearson if you haven't already done so check out our facebook page at the shadows podcast give us a like And then head over to Instagram at the underscore shadows underscore podcast. As for this episode, we're all out of time. We will see you next week here on the Shadows Podcast.